Hello, and welcome to Justify Your Existence, the Daily Journal's podcast about Mississippi State, Ole Miss, the SEC, and beyond. I am Michael Katz, Ole Miss beat writer for the Daily Journal, joined here by Stefan Kreischnick, who covers Mississippi State. Stefan, I'm sorry you didn't get the Notre Dame job. I know that you were looking forward to that and you got some calls from South Bend. One, how are you handling that? And two, just, just how are you doing? Yeah, I mean, financially, I'm not handling it very well because that's a lot of money that, that I just threw out the bank. But, um, you know, it's it's just you live and you learn. Didn't think it was right for me uh, to take that job at the time. Uh, so so you're saying you the, turned it down? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I had a potential spam call from South Bend. You know what that was. It had that been, you know, Notre Dame, maybe their university president straight from the top calling me. Um, so I had, I had to turn down the, the Notre Dame job. Um, though I will say it is pretty funny for me, you know, especially growing up in Indiana, to see the nation kind of rallying around Notre Dame right now. Like, I would have never expected that. And you, I mean, you being a USC guy, maybe a little different for you, but like, I mean, I'm assuming everyone that you know, you know, growing up probably hated Notre Dame. And now everyone at least a little bit is kind of like, like they've seen Notre Dame in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, like the the – the hate for Notre Dame over the last like decade has been more of just a dislike for Brian Kelly. Right. And now it just gets better. Cause now he's in the, now he's in the league, which is just kind of perfect. Ne- ne- never a more Southern gentleman has there been than Brian Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. At, um, who, who did Miami just hire? Why is his name slipping my mind? Mario Cristobal. Yes. Yes. And he spoke Spanish at his press conference and he did a really from, from, my Spanish-speaking friends, they said that he spoke uh, pretty well and, you know, fluently and stuff like that. Um, and it's funny, I, I believe it was Kevin Clark from the Ringer quote tweeted, and it was like Brian Kelly shaking in his boots right now at, at how well um, he was able to come and speak Spanish compared to the fake accent that we saw uh, from Brian Kelly at LSU and his family. Oh, God, just, <laughs> I mean, just a lot of really good memes on that one, but it was just uh... – yeah, that was tough. But I did. I did read though that Mac Brown gained a Texas accent when he got to Texas. Uh, so I, I guess you know you you kind of you, you sort of get into your how surroundings. Did, it, did you feel like take? one day? Right, right. Like I've been in Mississippi for about six months or so, and I, I don't think I've developed an accent yet. Do I don't you, even say y'all yet. You have a very thick, <laughs> very thick Southern accent so far, Stefan. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's also why I was interested in the LSU job, but they didn't offer me that one. Sorry, man. Yeah, that's that 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 that's a hit to the pocketbook. Uh, <laughs> just a reminder that you can follow Justify Your Existence on your favorite podcast platform or at djournal.com/podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at djournalsports or in our Facebook groups, Mississippi State discussion with Parish Alford and Stefan Kreischnick, and the Ole Miss discussion with Parish Alford and Michael Katz. It's kind of a uh, an, an interesting weekend of college football with with championships and whatnot. But uh, I, I will say the ultimate alpha move was Ole Miss uh, dropping Lane's, Lane Kiffin's new contract right as the SEC championship game ended. It was honestly impeccable, incredible timing. Yeah, I remember watching watching the game and seeing you guys start talking in the Slack, and I was kind of like no way that this just happened. There's been a couple times this year where you've had some really like untimely um, drops. Like, I, I feel like, I feel like maybe you've had more drops with, with Ole Miss than maybe Mississippi State has had, but I feel like yours have particularly been very like random and untimely. Wasn't the, the Mac Corral like tweet about 
you know, the Vandy game being his, his last home game, wasn't that kind of like late at night? Yeah, it was like eight o'clock on a Friday. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, the Friday night drop, baby. The Friday night drop. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it, uh, it was, it, it was really funny. Uh, I, I, I think we all knew that the extension was coming, just sort of given that one, the contracts in college football are pretty. Uh, they're getting pretty high uh, these days, I guess is one way to put it. And and if you're looking at what Lanes was, it was in the five million ish range per year. That was kind of way way behind what the SEC most SEC coaches were kind of getting now. Uh, so I believe his his new contract is in the seven ish up to seven point five range by the end, uh, and then also incentives built in it puts him uh, fourth in the SEC, right above Kirby Smart, which is hilarious. Kirby Smart just cannot catch a dub right now. Um, but, you know, Ole Miss had to do it, especially with this coaching carousel being what it is. Like, you just never know when a job is going to come open now. Like, literally, or Oregon right. is open. Like, that's that's insane. Um, right. And so, I mean, it's a smart move. It was a great, great job by Keith Carter to get that locked away. And, I, I mean, I, it's hard to say, like, $7.5 million is like a bargain. But, like, in the grand scheme of what these contracts are, I think it's a pretty good deal. Yeah, it, it's interesting. You know, I, I hadn't even known this until I moved to Mississippi, but the, the rules about laws, I guess, about four-year, um, you know, the, the four-year maximum, it's it's interesting in the sense of, like, there there's going to come a point, especially with the way these contracts are headed, where, coaches aren't going to want to take a four-year contract and maybe that was maybe that was you know reasonable when when all this was signed and, and put into put into writing and all that but like you, you kind of have a feeling that it Mississippi State and Ole Miss could could be at a disadvantage um you know in the coming years when coaches are signing these 10-year 100 million dollar contracts and and you can't like legally you can't now granted when you're giving someone you know seven million a year it kind of doesn't matter how many years you're doing it for right but it's interesting. It's interesting to see you know, how that comes into effect. That's something I didn't really know. And I think it was, man, it, I, I might've still been working remotely after SEC media days. I think I was still, you know, back home in, in Indiana when uh, that's the title of a song, but back home in Indiana, when, um, you know, Chris Lamona signed his deal. And that's when Parrish had kind of explained to me like, Hey, you know, in Mississippi, like these are rules that can't be more than four years. And it's interesting because you would feel like someone like Chris Lamonis is in a spot where a really long-term contract would be in line, but that, that stuff kind of comes up and um, you know, I'd be interested to see how many years uh, Ole Miss wanted to give um, Lane Kiffin compared to what they did. Yeah. I think what we're going to see is, and this kind of happened with them last year is that Lane got an extension last off season that upped it. So I think we're just going to see them keep rolling out these four-year deals. Right. And basically like every year it's going to be a little bit more. I think is what we're kind of right. going to see, um, which I guess is kind of an advantage. Like if you think about like free agents, like betting on themselves and doing like one year deals and then cashing in, I guess right. I can, I guess I can kind of see that, but it is wild to see like Brian Kelly get a 10 year deal. Um, and right. then, you know, uh, these guys can get four. Right. It could be advantage for both sides. I mean, you know, if you're laying and you do a great job, well, if you really want to get out and, and go to, let's say, you know, I mean, I know Miami was talked about a lot, but if you wanted to do that, well, it's a lot easier on, on a four-year deal to kind of get out. But also if you're a school and, and Lane's not doing well, and it's a lot easier to kind of, you know, get away from him in, in four years if that's what you want. So there, there are definitely pros and cons to it. And it's kind of like, you know, the coaches are, that are willing to bet on themselves, you know, are not going to shy away from the Ole Miss and Mississippi State jobs. But, you know, maybe someone who's 
insecure and, and, you know, something along the lines of Brian Kelly wants a big contract. So, yeah, no, it's, it is interesting. I, I, I never like, I never think about it until it actually comes up the four year thing. Um, but it, it's come up right. a decent amount recently and it is, it is interesting in the, in the grand scheme of these insane contracts that guys are getting. Right. Uh, though Lincoln Riley's is still, no one is really sure what he's getting. If he's getting two houses, a private plane, uh, we shall see. Um, if they win, I, I feel like he's not getting any. I feel like he's never going to get a check. Like he's just going to be getting these things, do like you, these things that are worth a lot. Do you think he would be one of the coaches who would get his paycheck in crypto? I could see it. I definitely someone in LA. It would definitely have to be someone in LA, and it would definitely yeah. be someone. Well, Chip Kelly. Chip, I mean, Chip Kelly would have no idea. Has no idea what crypto is. <laughs> well, yeah, a little different there. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I was actually thinking about this. I texted my sister. I was like, what coach do you think would be into crypto? Um, because I don't know if you saw Odell Beckham is getting his whole paycheck in crypto. That doesn't surprise me. No, it does not at all. Um, I could see, see, I could see Sean McVay doing it in the NFL. Yes. He's kind of a smart, you know, innovative thinker. Um, who on the college level? Hmm. Do you think Mike Leach knows what crypto is? No, okay. I mean, not a chance. Okay. But actually, here's the thing. Mike Cleach is actually really smart, so he might know what it is, but he might yeah. not have any interest in it. Like, he might not care because he doesn't care about, like, like Mike Cleach doesn't care about dollars and checks, <laughs> let alone crypto. Like, he probably understands what it is to an extent, but it probably has no interest in it. I know that he, he's told me before he hasn't, you know, with with these, um, you know, contract stuff, you always get, like, you know, either a school official or, like, a school will give you a car that they want you to drive when you're going recruiting. Like, you know, they might have a deal with Ford and Ford wants you to drive this to recruit house, all that kind of stuff that, that comes up. Leach said that, it, you know, aside from the kids that he, or the cars that he bought for his kids, he hasn't bought himself a car since, like, the 90s or something like that. There was, like, some old, I think he said it was a Buick. I could be wrong. I would have to fact check that. But, like, like, he hasn't bought a car in a really long time. And, like, that's just, like, the reality of a lot of what these coaches do and it's the reality of how Mike Leach like does not really care about money or, you know, buying something cool. He has like a, a million acre, you know, land house in Starkville, Mississippi. And he's so content with that, that like, I guarantee the house is probably a nice size, but he cares more about the land and nobody bothering him than, you know, the cars that he has parked in his driveway. I mean, honestly, or the, crypt- of- or the crypto. Yeah. No, I was going to say having a lot of land and having no one able to bother you honestly sounds kind of amazing. That sounds right. like a dream. Right. Um, sounds like the Mike Lee stream. <laughs> yes, and Michael Kath's dream. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we will get into our, our respective bowl games. Uh, but we had an interesting conference championship weekend. What was your biggest surprise? Was it that Iowa-Michigan wasn't a 10-7 to game? Or was it that Alabama did the thing? No, I actually think my biggest surprise is, is Oklahoma State. Like, what, a, what an ugly, terrible game. Like, really bad. And to have your season come down, see, Michael Penix, he gets in. You Oklahoma learn a State thing. Can't. You learn a thing or two from that. But, um, no, I mean, that, I, I really, I was really confident that Oklahoma State was going to win that game. And, and championship weekend perfectly encapsulated what I think you and I were talking about all year of, like, how good is Baylor? And I kind of forgot that they were the number nine team in the nation when they were taking on Oklahoma State. Like, it kind of caught me off guard still. Like, Baylor just keeps winning these games. I think Baylor's probably just a good football team. Um, you know, I, I thought I thought Oklahoma State was going to win. I thought they were hot, and I thought that they kind of knew what was at stake. I would have been interested to see what would have happened with the playoff had Oklahoma State won. I think we would still have the four teams that we do have. 
granted, I'm sure the committee would have found some way to take out Cincinnati for Oklahoma State. Probably. I'm um, in that situation. But um, yes, I think Oklahoma State was my biggest surprise. Uh, but, but I am surprised by the way – I'm not surprised that Alabama won. Like, that game could have gone either way. It's Alabama. Like, are you ever really surprised Alabama wins the game? But, like, what that offense did against that Georgia defense – like, this is like a Georgia defense that in a week has gone from greatest defense of all time to, like, okay, maybe they're not that good. Like, like, like legitimately, that was a conversation. This could be and, – and probably before that Alabama game was the greatest defense college football has ever seen. And especially, you know, in this in this era where, you know, teams are slinging it like like it's nothing. It's interesting. To, it was really interesting to see. And, um, you know, I'm interested to see how, how Georgia bounces back in the playoff. Um, but still, I, I think the Oklahoma State game was, was was what surprised me the most. Just how flat Oklahoma State looked and just how, you know, uninspiring that game was overall. Yeah, when when I saw the news that uh... – uh, Baylor's quarterback wasn't going to play. I went into our picks and I switched it because I'm an idiot. Right. <laughs> um, and I went, I was like all in on Oklahoma State at that point. Um, just how brutal, though, was it to lose by like literally an inch? I thought when he took yeah. off, he, there was no way he was not getting it. Like, what, what a play by that defender. Yeah. No, the same thing was, like I said, I'm comparing it to that Indiana Penn State game. When, when Michael Penix took off, I thought he was definitely getting in. Like, he's, he's like, uh, I don't know if it was a linebacker for for Baylor or who it was, but whatever defender came in, like out of nowhere, like like we see a lot of how fast like wide receivers and running backs, quarterbacks are. Like we forget how fast some of these defensive players are, considering how big they are and and the hits that they can lay on these guys. I mean, it was an outstanding play. Um, that I mean, like you said, an inch away from from possibly being in the playoff is just the cliche coming true. Game of inches. No, no, it's. Uh... Quite the incredible turnaround Baylor uh, has has had, and we'll we'll get to them in a little right. bit. But, uh, I just do want to point out that Dave Aranda, a head coach of Baylor, is such a football guy that we had our Sugar Bowl um, uh, pre- uh, Zoom teleconference, and he he couldn't do video because he was sitting in his car at a parking lot at a Burger King because he was out. Yep. And I was like, God, I love that. <laughs> That's just like pure Americana. So many of these coaches, I mean, Mike Leach didn't even do the, the Liberty Bowl call. They had Zach Arnett do it because Leach was out, you know, at an in-home uh, visit. Um, uh, Sonny Cumbie joined the, the presser late because he was doing a visit. Like, yeah, these coaches are out recruiting, man. Football guys. The big, yeah. This has been a, a big a big moment for, for football guys. Um, I would like to apologize to Alabama and, and Michigan. Um, I've been hard on Michigan. I think we all have, but – um, I thought that like this kind of deserved that everything. I thought this absolutely had like Iowa winning a nine to six, just ugly. Right. And like then Michigan goes and puts up 40. So like, I mean, good for them. I, I think them against Georgia is going to be interesting. I think Georgia has the edge just because they got the athletes. Um, mm-hmm. But man, Michigan will punch you in the face and then they'll keep punching you. So I think that'll be interesting. Yeah. Uh, we have all of our- Oklahoma state did what I thought maybe Michigan was going to do. Yes. That's, that's yes. Right. Yeah. They, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was, uh, uh, man, with everything on the line, I don't know how you have your worst performance of the year, but uh, yeah. poor, poor, uh, poor Spencer Sanders. He, he, he had a rough one. It's like every pass <laughs> through was to a defender. Uh, but we have our bowl matchups. This is my favorite time of the year because you get random uh, noon 
Wednesday games. Uh, famous Idaho Potato Bowl is one of my favorites. Um, it's it's tis the season. There's a lot of interesting matchups. Um, the first thing I looked for was what I thought was the biggest sicko matchup, meaning the, the just the worst game. I'm going with UCF and uh, and Florida in uh, in their bowl game. I believe it is the um, where is it? It should just say sicko on it. Um, but regardless, uh, that I oh, think it's, uh, it's the guest. Gasparillo Bowl. Of course. Of course. Yeah. The legend. Yes. We're all curious. Um, I just think that has like disaster written all over it. Uh, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, again, we'll get into our bowls uh, later and we'll, we'll end up talking about the playoff, I'm sure, uh, as, as over the next few weeks. But any games that kind of stick out to you in terms of ones that you're kind of looking out for that are maybe off the radar? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think this might just be a terrible game, but Armed Forces Bowl on December 22nd, we have Army versus Missouri. Mm. Like, I mean, very fitting that Army is in the Armed Forces Bowl, but, like, that's just going to be an awful game of two teams that are just, like, just, oh, it's just going to be a hell of a matchup. Um, you know, I, what I think could be a really fun game, and I'm kind of surprised that this wasn't um, given, I guess, maybe because of the conference that it's not really given a, a better bowl, but trying to read this is so small tropical smoothie cafe frisco bowl um <laughs> the names we are so have, good. right but it's san diego state against utsa like that's a yes. pretty fun matchup that could yeah. actually be a pretty good game for a bowl that is on let's see what's the date here uh december 21st so that is two weeks okay it's a tuesday at 7 30 p.m so it's not yeah. you know it's not the random afternoon game but like those are two pretty good teams yeah, no, that's that's a good one. I personally, I think the Holiday Bowl is going to be interesting. UCLA and NC State. You've seen NC State. Uh, they ended up having a really nice season. I hate to say that UCLA had a nice season, but they did, um, which, again, not happy about. I think Oregon and Oklahoma in the Alamo Bowl is going to be hilarious because you've got yes. interim Bob Stoops and then interim, I don't remember who it was. I think it was Oregon's passing game coordinator. So, like, who's going to really want to be there uh, at that point? Right. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, triple option football. So I'm looking forward to air force and Louisville. I've seen Louisville firsthand. I know Malik Cunningham's a really good player. Um, but there's just something beautiful about like, we watched, like, I'm, I'm assuming you saw at least part of that game last night where like Mac Jones threw three times. There's something beautiful mm -hmm. about just running it 87 times. And that is what, that is what air force, I have seen air force do this in person. Like as, as I covered Wyoming, they just rip your soul out. It's like, it's the worst. Um, yeah. Looking at the Citrus Bowl too, that might, that might just be a terrible game. Kentucky and Iowa, like what a boring matchup. What about the mayonnaise game? Let's see. Is it the Carolinas? Yes, it is. It's, it's, it's UNC against uh, South Carolina. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's cool. Ben Portnoy, we've mentioned him way too many times on the podcast, but he, he wrote a, uh, an article today about, you know, how the Mayo Bowl wanted, um, you know, to have the, the Carolina matchup. I think it, it creates a fun matchup for sure. Um, it's, you know, there, there's the incentive. How much How much was it money that goes to a charity if the winning coach gets Mayo dumped on him? Oh, that's such a gross. If, if the winning, if they actually do dump Mayo on the winning coach, I believe that the Mayo Bowl president or someone tweeted that how a certain amount, I think it was $100,000, right? could be wrong. It's going to go to, um, you know, charity of that school or that coach is choosing. So, um, you know, how much do you like the kids? Man, I just, I really don't 
think I need to see Mac Brown covered in mayonnaise or Shane Beamer for for that matter. Um, just not a just seems like a lot of work and it's just probably not great. Um, yeah. Um, is you know, there I have any? A great, it, I have a I have a I have a great mayo story, but I have to ask my girlfriend if I'm allowed to share it because it includes like a prominent like ESPN person. So I gotta ask. If I could share this. I'm going to write this down and we're going to talk about this on the next episode because you've piqued my interest. Whenever <laughs> you say I have a mayonnaise story, I'm going to want to know more. Yeah, I just texted her. So hopefully we get a quick response here. She's on the clock. She's typing. She's typing. Okay. Why don't you tell me more about the citrus bowl? I'll let you know what I can say about the mayo bowl. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, so we ourselves have some pretty interesting games. You have the, the Mike Leach bowl of uh the liberty yeah. of, of mississippi state and texas tech kind of I, I don't i know we haven't had a ton of availability with, with coaches or anything yet but uh it's going to be a pretty interesting one for mike leach given kind of how his tenure at texas tech ended yeah well okay so i got approval so we can do this we can do this story later yeah. um but yeah the, the mike leach uh texas tech matchup yeah it's definitely um it, it's a storyline that creates itself and once I saw those rumors kind of start swirling, I was like, okay, well, I know what my story is here. <laughs> Regardless of anything that happens for the next, you know, three weeks, you kind of know what the story is. Um, so, yeah, so, so Mike Leach, you know, takes over 2009. He's a head coach. He's there for 10 seasons, end of the 2009 season. Um, I think it was, I think Texas Tech was going into the Alamo Bowl at the end of the 2009 season. So it was a 2010 Alamo Bowl, which gets confusing. Um, they, they, there was a situation with a player, um, you know, these, these are all, you know, through reports and stuff like that. Obviously, I wasn't there for any of this. Um, you were like middle you school. Know, Mike, yeah, 2009, I was literally just, like middle I just, school, yeah. I just wanted to throw that out there and how sad that makes me, but go on. Right. <laughs> um, so a, a player on Texas Tech's roster has a concussion. It's reported that Mike Leach, and, and I don't know if there were other coaches involved in stuff, uh, basically told him to kind of – the player couldn't practice. Okay, go sit in this equipment closet then, or something like that. Um, you know, Texas Tech had kind of said that that was player mistreatment, and they wanted Leach to apologize. I think Leach was saying Leach's defense was that like this player was supposed to be in a dark room because of his concussion. Um, you know, that's a lot of you know he said versus he said in that situation. You know what happened, um, and on December twenty eighth, so it'll be, it'll be however many years to the date that this game is played that um, Texas Tech fired Mike Leach because he didn't apologize to this kid. And um, then there's a whole other argument is, is that the next day in terms of like incentives and contractual stuff, and like all that Texas tech would have owed Leach about give or take $2 million, yeah. a lot of money. Um, and for someone who went to law school, Mike Leach knows what's in his contract and knows what he's owed and knows when he gets fired the day before that money is owed. So you, you, you got your lawsuits between Leach and Texas Tech. Um, I know Leach, I think, had lawsuits with ESPN about defamation, you know, and stuff like that going on and, and misinformation. Like, there's a lot on both sides. And the fan base at Texas Tech and the people in Lubbock love Mike Leach. Yeah. And probably when this last coaching search was going on, would have taken him back in a heartbeat oh, 100%. Had, had, had that happened. Yeah. And the other side where not – too many people that are left in the Texas Tech um, athletic department were involved. I know we had the Texas Tech AD um, on the conference call for Liverpool a few days ago, and, and he was saying, like, you know, this all happened before I was in the athletic director role. Like, 
he doesn't have much involvement in it. Um, but everyone at Texas Tech, whether they're in the athletic department or not, has a great respect for what Mike Leach accomplished there on the football field. There's not a lot of people that want to talk what happened, you know, off the football field, especially um, late 2009. Um, so anyways, all that builds up, you know, and, and this stuff, I mean, Leach has, Leach has casually dropped, you know, a couple of times, even in this past year, you know, comments like, you know, the people at Texas Tech stole me a lot of money. Like, he's, he's kind of, you know, he's like, he's petty and he'll bring it up and he'll comment on it and stuff like that. Um, which, which, which is just, you know, classic Mike Leach. Perfect. Um, but, but yeah, it sets up for the first time in his career that, that he's coaching against, you know, his former Texas Tech team. Um, I mean, for obvious reasons, they didn't play Washington State and, you know, they haven't played Mississippi State the past couple of years. Um, you know, it's interesting. Sonny Cumbie was a quarterback for Mike Leach at Texas Tech. Um, Sonny Cumbie is now the, he's the, he's the head coach at Louisiana Tech. We are still serving as the interim coach slash offensive coordinator at Texas Tech. Yes. Wait, he's head coach at Louisiana Tech, interim and offensive coordinator at Texas Tech for at least this bowl game. So, yeah. Yes. There's college football for you in a nutshell. That's or this past, like, two weeks of college football. Um, on the football field, it should be a pretty fun game. The Texas Tech, um, you know, offense, since Leach has been there, has, you know, that's kind of been their strength has been offense. Um, you know, them facing the air raid uh, should be a lot of fun. Um, Liberty Bowl, I know there's a lot of Mississippi State fans who aren't happy about it. You know, Memphis is what it is, and the Liberty Bowl kind of is what it is, especially when in September Mississippi State played in that same stadium. You know, you're not playing in an NFL stadium. That's kind of the appeal of the Texas Bowl. Um, but at the same time, you know, these bowls didn't have, you know, fans last year. At full capacity, a lot of them didn't. Um, the Texas Bowl altogether was canceled. You know, there's a lot of bowls that were just canceled last year, like – Mississippi State holds, you know, in 2007 as the all-time record for Liberty Bowl attendance. Like, there's a lot of money involved in these games, and there's a lot of bowls that lost a lot of money last year. And getting, you know, a lot of Mississippi State fans to make a simple two-hour drive and come to Memphis is appealing. And, you know, it, it all kind of played in. I feel like we've been saying Liberty Bowl since September for Mississippi State. Like, every conversation is like, yeah, they'll probably just end up in the Liberty Bowl. At 7-5, that's what you're going you're gonna to get with the 6-6 six six Texas Tech. 6-6 six six Texas Tech. Texas Tech team, um, but the storyline writes itself. But I'm sure, I'm sure Mike Leach will hold back and not give any interesting comments in the next, you know, few weeks as we get prepared for this game. Yeah, no, I I'm eagerly awaiting when it comes to bowl week and they're both doing like a split press conference and Mike Leach asks for his money to pour Sunny. Yeah, yeah. The picture, the picture is going to be, it's going to be pretty great when they do the like the press and they have like the helmets and stuff and like. Like, try telling, like, 2008 Michael Cadd that, like, the picture of Leach next to this Texas Tech helmet is actually him facing Texas Tech at a Liberty Bowl. <laughs> 2008 Michael Katz was too busy watching Michael Crabtree and Graham Harrell defeat Texas in one of the greatest <laughs> games ever. I love those Texas Tech games. Oh, they were so right. fun. Uh, before we get to the Sugar Bowl, we have to let, – let's break this up with the Mayo story. Okay, okay. Let's do it. So I have approval, but I have to provide context. That's the key part. So the context here is my girlfriend, Gracie Barr. She covers Indiana for Inside the Hall. She's a senior at IU. She's amazing. Everyone, you know, go follow her on Twitter or whatever. Um, so she went to an international school um, when she was, you know, growing up. And she grew up in Indianapolis. She went to this international school. And um, at the same school, um, just Saturday's kids went to that school. Okay. So... Um, you know, as kids do, they share life, you know, so they're all at Jeff Saturday's house with Jeff Saturday's kids and family. And 
one of the kids have lice. The next thing you know, everyone in that house has lice. And like, you know, uh, Grace and her family can't leave this house. They don't want to take lice into their house. So one night, the Saturdays, Jeff Saturday's family, keep in mind, Jeff Saturday is like in Indianapolis. He is alleged, you know, yeah, him and Peyton yeah. Manning were the, the center quarterback duo. Um, the way you get lice out is you wear like a, a hair cap with mayo in it. And you basically wash your hair with mayo and you no. let it sit. That that's or at least that's what they thought you're supposed to do. So they did it. So like picture hanging out with Jeff Saturday and his family while Jeff literally has like Duke's mayo <laughs> in his hair. So in the case that you know Beamer has lice, winning the mayo bowl and getting or getting uh, mayo dumped on him would be a good thing to get the lice out. That's a, that's a that's a lot to take in um was it worth was it worth this like exchange of me getting that information well yes yeah, one because jeff just to be randomly being jeff saturday is is amazing right um right and, like <laughs> imagining jeff saturday with mayo on his head but also the idea that that mayo is like the solution for lice once i've ever really i don't think it's ever really crossed my mind uh so wow okay that was um, you thank thank your girlfriend for giving us permission because that was <laughs> oh my god okay uh, so yes the sugar bowl the premier sugar bowl let's talk about that now yeah yeah so uh, Ole Miss you obviously had a a, a banner season ten wins uh, in the regular season for the first time ever they go ten and two they're ranked number eight and they are facing the aforementioned Baylor Bears uh, who won the big 12, um, under Dave Aranda, they've had so much coaching turnover at that school the last few years for a lot of different reasons. I don't want to get too much into, um, but, uh, he's done an amazing job there. Um, they kind of turned, they were two and seven last year and, uh, to, to do what they've done this year is, is amazing. Uh, I, I, it's interesting because, uh, Lane Kiffin and Dave Aranda have a little bit of a history. Uh, in terms of having faced each other. I, I looked this up today for a story and they've actually faced each other as coordinators three different times. He was a defensive yeah. coordinator at Hawaii in 2010 when they played against USC. He was the defensive coordinator at Wisconsin when Alabama played them. And he was the defensive coordinator at LSU when Alabama played them. And Dave Aranda defenses are known for stopping the run. They are historically very, very good against the run uh, for what it's worth. However, uh, Lane Kiffin's offenses have always won, run really well uh, against uh, Dave Aranda um, uh, defenses. So, but as we we you know we talked about in the conference call with them, uh, the teams are so different. It's hard to compare what happened in you know 2010 to what could happen now. The teams are different. The strategies are different. Um, but one thing that was you know you look at Baylor and yes they have a nice offense. They're averaging 32 point whatever. But it's really that defense that's giving up you know, less than 20 points a game. And they're ranked, I think they're in the top 20 somewhere. Um, uh, and I think we all think of the big 12 as this high flying conference with this like frenetic pace. Um, but Dave Randy even said it like he, he, his team has not seen an offense that, that does what Ole Miss does in terms of pace. And I looked this up today and um, you know, Ole Miss is in the top 10 and plays run per game. The closest to them in the big 12 is like 17th. Oklahoma State, and then there isn't another team in the top 50 in terms of plays per game. So it's it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how, you know, is Ole Miss going to go even faster than normal, which is crazy to think about because they're already running like 80 plays a game. Um, right. But 
you know, I think the, the advantage for Ole Miss is, is, is you go fast because Baylor hasn't really, no one is really should, you know, I don't think any teams are really used to seeing, uh, you know, 80 plays a game unless you're in the SEC because everybody is kind of up there now. Um, right. but I, I just think it's, it's, a, it's an interesting in contrasting styles, um, a real defensive led team that has had its offense come on. And then Ole Miss who has, was kind of built around offense and has had the defense come on, um, two teams that were, you know, two second year head coaches that, you know, took their, you know, Ole Miss was, you know, five and five last year. They were a disaster before that, uh, Baylor two and seven. And now they're both in, in a, in a New Year's six game. It's, um, I think it's going to be really interesting. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a shame I'm going to have to go to New Orleans for the first time. I, I'm not going to have any fun there uh, for a week. It's going to be awful. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's the bowl game Ole Miss has played in the most. This is going to be their 10th appearance. Uh, the first time since I think 2015 uh, against Oklahoma state, but it, it should be great. I mean, this is, this is the best time of the year, man, when, when you can, just turn on your TV and watch a bunch of teams that should never play each other playing each other. It's, it's, I mean, who, like, I, I know that one of the, like, at some point I am going to turn on like a, a Washington state and Miami. I have, I don't care who wins that game, but I'm going to watch it. Right. Yeah. That's the thing about bowl season is I literally could not care less about a good, a good percentage of the games, but hey, our teams, our alma maters aren't even in them. So that's kind of nice. It's kind of liberating. Well, well, let's not talk about the fact that Indiana new offensive coordinator is the former UMass head coach who went two and twenty-three in the past however many years. So anytime you can hire him, you have to. You have to. There was a funny tweet though where someone was like, um, he won two games at UMass. That's not easy to do. <laughs> I was like, you know what? You make a fair point. You make a fair point. So shout out to Walt Bell. That's his name, and you probably could have guessed that was his name. So um, no, but bowl season, bowl season is a lot of fun. Um, especially when you get the overlap of like bowl season with NFL getting really good and games getting really important and college basketball kind of shifting into conference play. Um, you know, NBA is going on, hockey's going on right now. Like there's, a, it's a good time for sports. I know that there's always a debate of like, what's the best like time for sports. And that usually comes down to like, what, like, is it like, you know, Thanksgiving day is it Christmas day. Is it like, you know, um, you know, first couple days of March madness, but like this, like, three month stretch of sports is really good where you have a lot of the things overlapping. Like you could even go back to when the world series wrapped up, maybe not great for you or me being white Sox and Dodgers fans, but like from, from when season never you know, happened. Baseball, right. From when baseball started wrapping up it's playoffs to kind of where we are now with bowl season, this is a really fun stretch of sports. Um, and it's a good time to be doing the jobs that we do. In, in, in the words of Jim Harbaugh, who has it better than us. That's <laughs> You know, I remember at Indiana, my roommate um, sent me that clip. Like, it was last year before Indiana faced Michigan. Indiana beat Michigan, actually. But, like, for a week, the only video that we were allowed to watch on YouTube was just Jim Harbaugh screaming, who's got it better than us. <laughs> uh, that sounds awful. Yes. Oh, yeah. gosh. Well, I mean, I, we've, we've covered bowl games. We've covered mayonnaise. I don't think there's any more to even talk about. So I don't, until, think, that, I don't think anybody wants us to talk about no. anything else now. Yeah, let's, let's talk about lice next time. Uh, but <laughs> as always, thank you for listening, and, and we'll be back later this week.